interest rates rise, volatility has hit equities hard. How should investors think about equity investing amid high inflation and slowing economic growth? Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of August 15th, 2022, and we're continuing our focus on equity investments, pulling in perspectives from across the New York Life Investments platform. Today, that focus is on growth equity. Growth stocks strongly outperformed value stocks over the last economic cycle, so naturally they become a big focus for U.S. investors. And beyond questions about general market volatility, inflation, and recession, we probably get asked about growth equities more than any other specific asset class. And this is because the darling of U.S. equity investing has really suffered this year, as Lauren just said, and everyone wants to know when and if and how growth will come back into favor. We're thrilled to have Pat Burton, a portfolio manager at Winslow Capital Management, here today to help us shed some light on these questions regarding such a closely watched segment of the market. Pat, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Can you describe for maybe our more beginning listeners what growth equity really is? What is your investable universe as a growth equity manager? Sure. Our investable universe is the Russell 1000 growth index plus any large cap stocks that are outside the index that meet the criteria. We believe large cap growth stocks are an advantage asset class due to the compounding one receives with the equity participation in the security. Within that broad universe of options, what's your approach? What's your investment philosophy? Our investment philosophy at Winslow Capital Management is to assemble a portfolio of the best large cap growth stocks. I emphasize stocks. We don't necessarily buy the fastest growing businesses or the best business models, but we seek out the best stocks in terms of a combination of growth opportunities and the valuation you have to pay for that opportunity. What do you think then makes your team special? What are the the drivers of success that you're looking for in that context? Our long-term success over 25 years at Winslow really has to do with two approaches. The first is we have no preferred habitat in terms of where we're putting client capital. In other words, we will always look at consistent growers, dynamic growers, and cyclical growers, three different buckets of growth, and we will have all represented in the portfolio at all times, varying the weight based upon the economic environment. The second key facet of Winslow Capital is basically our investment process around our people and our information that we've worked for a long time to develop. Our average experience is 22 years, so we have a lot of industry contacts. We have a decentralized structure where the portfolio manager in a given space, such as healthcare, works directly with the 2 p.m.s and 3 p.m.s. And as a result, we're able to very quickly make decisions when it comes to a changing environment like the one we've gone through here in 2022. Well, Pat, let me just pick right up on what you just mentioned about this ever-changing environment. And I'm sure that your team, in addition to ours, has been talking a lot about inflation, rising interest rates, and volatility. And we've been speaking about that on this program as well. 
So just to focus in on one of those, rising interest rates in particular have been very challenging for growth equities this year. What can you tell us about that? And how would you say the macro environment has been impacting growth equity? So the near doubling in the U.S. 10-year Treasury since the beginning of the year has obviously led to a discounting of future growth rates at a much higher level. And that was the initial part of the correction in growth stocks. However, as inflation continued to go up at an accelerating rate and the Fed became more hawkish, the market became concerned that the Fed would have to you know, significantly increase rates at a faster pace than previously expected with the end intent of really slowing economic growth. And the second phase of this correction really has been one of fear of recession or at least a profits recession, if not a historical GDP recession, where companies miss earnings estimates and you wind up in an environment where people don't want to own the equity if they think a downward revision is coming. All that said, we've had a significant pullback in valuations in a number of stocks between the price of the stock going down and the businesses delivering growth, where we think the market today is pricing in a U.S. 10-year treasury of three and a quarter percent plus or minus a half percent. If we keep the 10-year somewhere in that range, we find the valuations one are paying for growth stocks, large cap growth stocks, as very attractive currently. That's such a fascinating point that you make, especially about the distinction between a profits recession that listed equities could see versus a real economic recession, which could impact GDP. And when it comes to the asset class itself, a common response we've been seeing across asset classes actually in response to this higher volatility has been for investors to move up in quality. We've seen it in equities, we've seen it in fixed income. And we know that in the growth space, there is that divide between profitable and unprofitable tech. So to you, is that a quality divide or is it more about the maturity of a business model? And should investors be considering ways to move up the quality chain in growth equities? Is that possible? Sure. So let me unpack that question. The first is in terms of the price to revenue stocks or the fastest growing cohort, we've sold those stocks in January of 2022 out of the portfolio for three reasons. Number one, the companies were actually starting to fundamentally miss expectations. Number two was the rising rate question you asked about earlier. So if a company had the majority of their valuation predicated on super high growth over the next five to 10 years, it got discounted back more. And the third reason is actually stock-based compensation, where you had a relatively small cohort of the equity market, but a number of these stocks were your high flyers in 2022, I'm sorry, in 2020, up 100, 200, 300%, that type of stock that paid on average 30 to 40% of their employee pay in stock. And as long as your stock's going up, investors are willing to look at that not necessarily as an expense and suffer the dilution of the additional shares. Once the stock started rolling over and correcting, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy because now you have to issue more stock to pay the employee the same amount of money. Investors don't want twice the dilution. If you have to pay cash instead of stock, you have to walk away from profitability targets. And in a sense, it became a self-fulfilling spiral. And that's how you wind up with a number of stocks down 50, 60, 80% year to date here in 2022. In terms of the quality of the portfolio, yes, because the selling in the market was basically indiscriminate, we use the correction in prices to trade up in quality. And we've basically been able to put together a portfolio of stocks that has almost the same growth rate as we entered 2022, but now we're only paying a one-point premium for that growth versus the Russell 1000 index. So we have traded up in terms of quality. 
Well, quality is one of our key themes for investing in the second half of the year. I think that's a perfect time to open our portfolio pause, which is a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. So Pat, there's an argument circling the investment industry related to value versus growth equity, which says that if inflation and interest rates firm in the next decade compared to the last, that value equity may see its day in the sun. And by contrast, growth equities may struggle. What do you say to that? Or in other words, what is the case for growth equities in the decade ahead? Okay, so two questions, value versus growth in the case for growth equities. In terms of value per se, uh, you're predicating a lot of that on the macro environment. And clearly the macro environment in the United States is slowing, perhaps significantly. Europe, in our opinion, is clearly in recession. And China has a weird looking set of numbers because of their COVID restrictions and lockdown. But to pull it all together, the economy is clearly slowing. And many value investments are predicated on the economy being strong, number one. Number two, we're underweight tech significantly. And we'll talk about the portfolio composition here in a minute. But we think as long as the 10-year rate and the Fed stay somewhere around the three and a quarter, three and a half, three and three quarters, you've already compressed the valuation significantly. And as we get through this period of slowing economic growth and earnings estimate adjustments, you're going to come out the backside of that with the benefit of growth in terms of the compounding on a per share basis. Thank you so much for that, Pat. And beyond that structural case for growth equity that you've just made, I'd like for us to wrap up by diving a bit into what you like within your asset class. What are some of your highest conviction investment ideas right now? So in terms of our highest conviction investment ideas right now, we're looking for really two types of securities. One type that can continue to maintain their growth rate through the current economic slowdown. An advantage there would be healthcare services. There are a number of names in the healthcare services space that are able to grow their business top line 10 to 12% and on a per share basis, free cash flow and earnings 15%. The other type of stock we're looking for are those that really shine in a world of nominal growth, but perhaps real GDP compression. Companies that can pass on inflation and not give up volumes. So pricing power to us at Winslow Capital is not just the ability to raise price, but the ability if you raise price not to materially lose volumes. Those are two different constructs. So we're looking for businesses that can raise price and keep the volume. It usually means they have a strong value proposition. And the names we find there in the consumer discretionary, dine-out space, and other select industrial businesses that have good underlying volume growth and can raise price slightly to offset their own input costs. We're really big believers coming out of this current slowdown that you're going to see a very large industrial capital spending cycle where the prior decade was 10 years of heavy investment in tech, we think you're going to see a significant cycle in the industrial space in areas such as ag, oil and gas, auto, and decarbonization. And this should really drive a healthy environment for growth in industrials. Pat, in such a challenging and strange economic environment, you have really brought us some incredible insights today. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you both. Listeners to our program will know that the New York Life Investments Multi-Asset Solutions team has taken an overweight position in value equity in recent quarters in our portfolios. However, I want to pull attention to a phrase we use often, value, growth, 
a little of both. We use it mostly because it rhymes, but the basic gist is that even being overweight value equity doesn't necessarily mean that investors should exit growth equities wholesale. Quite the contrary, because for one, any investment position should take your risk tolerance and time horizon and other individual factors into account. But for two, as we mentioned at the top of the program, at the most basic level, investors own stocks to participate in the long-term growth of a company's revenue and profits. We believe that a structural allocation to growth equities could make sense, could provide investors with exposure to the compounding of higher revenue and profit growth over time that Pat described. Coming up next, we'll continue to speak to equity portfolio managers across the New York Life Investments platform. We'll be speaking with Dan Foley at CBRE Investment Management to discuss opportunities in infrastructure equities. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, remember to give us a like, follow, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also read our insights at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamats, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. The Russell 1000 Growth Index measures the performance of 1,000 U.S. listed companies with higher price-to-book ratios and higher forecasted growth values. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding any fund or any issue or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. Not all products and services provided by Winslow Capital Management may be available to all investors, limited by applicable laws and regulations in certain jurisdictions. Nothing stated herein should be considered an investment advice or a recommendation of any particular security strategy or investment product. Any opinions expressed are the views and opinions of certain investment professionals at Winslow Capital Management, which are subject to change without notice. No part of this material may be reproduced in any form or referred to in any other publication without the express written permission of Winslow Capital Management. Winslow Capital Management is unaffiliated with New York Life Investments. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.